0: And just sit back. That's what Seek Week's going to be about. It's not a conference. It's not a creative space. It's real simple. It's prayer. It's worship. It's messages. It's bringing you back to the presence of God. He's going to be with you forever. And he's going to give you the power to accomplish what I've called you to accomplish and to supply everything lacking in your life. But what fed his faith to do the momentum of the mission that he came to earth for was he knew how to
1: pray. This is the good news of the gospel, and I'm done living for self, and I want to give my life to what really matters. It's Jesus, and it's eternity.
0: All of the promises of God are yes and amen. They're not yes and no, they're yes and amen. God says yes, we say amen. God says yes, the church says amen. God says, I got a plan for you, we say amen. God says, I got victory for you, we say amen. God says, I got a plan for your family, for your finances, for your future, and we say amen. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing this morning? morning. It's good to see you. Welcome to church. I am so thrilled that each and every one of you are uh, here today. And before I do anything else, I want to look into the camera and welcome all those that are watching online today. Come on, Heartland family, help me welcome them to church today. It's going to be an incredible day, and God's going to move. And before we do anything else, uh, I just want you to just... Just breathe in God's presence because here in just a moment, I did this in the first service and I want to do it again right now. I just believe so powerfully that the Lord is going to move and speak in this service today. And I think his presence is here uh, already. And in this first service this morning, it's just going to be a continuation of what God is going to do. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just want you to know in this service today, Lord, that you're welcome. Come on, just tell him that right now. You're welcome in my heart today. You're welcome to move in my midst. Lord, I thank you. And, and I just ask right now that the power of the living God would come alive in this place in someone's heart. And we just want you to know in advance, Lord, you're, you're welcome here. Come on, tell him, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to get into the message here in just a moment, but. Uh, Let's see if my trusty screen is working real quick. I wanted you to just say the date for a couple of quick things uh, before we dive in today. First of all, I I did want to just give you some dates. uh, Our Renew Women's Conference, the 14th and the 15th of uh, October. And then Men's Night, Saturday, September 9th. I want you to keep those two dates uh, ahead of you. And then uh, I will tell you that we are launching here, in case you weren't in in the service, uh, you should have uh, group cards there in your seats Uh, Some of you may not have been here a couple weeks ago when we announced our kind of our new groups model and what we're doing uh, this fall. And uh, maybe you are interested in leading a group this semester, uh, two different types of groups, social groups and grow groups. And uh, if you're needing relationship and wanting to meet people, uh, then the social groups are for you. If you're interested in in a deep dive uh, into the Bible or these different topics that line up with our vision, Uh, You can check those out too. And uh, had a huge response in our first service of people uh, who are going to be leading groups this semester. But I feel like maybe there's a few more people in this room that God's been talking to your heart about possibly hosting a group or doing a dinner party or all the different kind of facets that we have. Uh, And so you can scan that code. But what I'd really like for you to do after this 1130 service today, go over to our fourth and fifth grade uh, room. We're going to have an orientation over there for you today to teach you a few things. We're getting ready for our semester Uh, That's going to launch after Labor Day. Uh, It's going to be great. And then, of course, Seek Week uh, next week uh, is going to be amazing. And uh, I just want you to begin to prepare your hearts even now for what God's going to do. And, uh, of course, Jimmy Evans on Sunday morning and then uh, Sunday night and Monday night and Tuesday night. I will tell you those services start at 6 and then Monday and Tuesday at 7. However, uh, the real heart behind them is the prayer services that that take place before the service starts. So an hour before every service, we'll be having a prayer service. Uh, And my prayer is that a couple of hundred of you are, those of you who have that spirit of prayer, you would just come and gather with us. Our whole worship team will be up here and then it'll be about 15 minutes. We'll take a break and then basically go right into the service. But if anything's gonna happen, if God's gonna move in our hearts, it's only gonna happen because of the spirit of prayer. Amen, everybody? Like, that's what it's gonna take. And so... Uh, I'm really, really excited about this and can't wait and, uh, and hope you'll be a part. My goal today is to continue to prepare your hearts for what I believe that God wants to do in you. Today, I want to talk about revival, and uh, I want to talk about what has to happen in our life for it to occur, and what are the things that happens when revival comes, and I, I want to just simply start today by giving you an understanding of what revival is and what it's not. Uh, and I'm just gonna tell you, I'm so full right now, like I'm ready to go. Like, I just believe God's gonna, I, I just, I, I feel like I'm on three Red Bulls right now uh, because of what the Holy Spirit has inside of me right now. I want you to know, revival's not a bunch of church, everybody. That's not what revival is. In fact, I wrote a definition here that revival is a spiritual awakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. This is what it involves it involves reigniting of a love for God, a desire for holiness, a passion for God's word and his church, a conviction of sin, hello, a desire for humility and growth in discipleship. And then I want you to notice this, that revival often opens people's eyes to God's presence and often marks a new beginning of one's life in obedience to God. And so at the heart, revival means to bring back To life again. If we just looked at a simple definition in the dictionary, it means to restore or to regain life. The word re means to go back to the original intent. And in scripture we see examples of this, like like Psalm 85, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? I think maybe the hardest thing about revival is the, the humility that it requires. That there's this great tension inside of each one of us. Because when we cry out and when we ask God to move in our lives and when we need revival, what it means is that there's something in my life that needs to be brought back to life. Then just simply that means that there's something in my life that is that is dead. And that is attention because no one wants to admit, you know, yeah, there are some things in my spiritual life right now that that may have died. There are some things inside of me that need to be brought back to life. But as I stated last week, I believe that the church of the living God has been asleep at the wheel. And I believe that we have missed the mark. And I want to stop right here for just a second and say a couple of things about last week. Last week, I, I got the most feedback about that message than any message I've ever preached in 20 years of ministry, and uh, I, I I have this thing about me that I need you to know. Uh, I'm first of all, and this one's pretty obvious, but I'm a pastor, and uh, I'm a pastor, but a pastor with what I feel like is a prophetic mantle on my life, and so it's it's sort of unique because the pastor in me is very shepherding and very loving and very encouraging. And wants to teach you and wants to help you grow and wants to help you heal. I I did a series earlier this year called Church Hurt. Uh, That series was very much a a pastorally driven series. It was deep in my heart uh, because I I care for people who've gone through difficulty and and who need to be restored back to God. But but then I have this, this prophetic mantle that I believe God has marked my life by. And not only has it been affirmed by others, but but in every gift test, many of you who've ever grown up in church, you know, you take these tests to to define what spiritual gifts in every test that I've ever taken. The prophetic or prophecy has always been number one uh, on on that list. And and what a prophet's job is in the New Testament, uh, the greatest ministry of a prophet is to bring people back to the heart of God. God uses people with this gift to show his heart, to, to point out injustice. Uh, people who have a prophetic gift are very discerning. Uh, they, they feel like God is, uh, wants to reveal his heart through them. And, and God often uses the prophetic to convict people and to call people back to the heart of the Father and to pursue his intimacy again. So, so I will tell you, I get in this rhythm sometime where the pastor in me, is, is really encouraging and wants to encourage. And the prophet's saying, you need to be more declarative about what God's doing. And when I start being more declarative about what's doing, the pastor's in me like, you need to smile and be a little more encouraging right now. And I have these, this inner thing that goes on inside of me. But what I've learned is that the prophetic should never be offensive, but it will always convict. And so hear me right now tell you that I feel very much in this season right now that, that, that God has really called me to, to kind of dwell in just this prophetic utterance in, in, in a season right now. And, and one of the things that I feel like the Lord has been putting on my heart is to tell people, look, the church has missed the mark. Like, we've got more in us. We've allowed convenience to take the place of sacrifice. We've let comfortability come in instead of the pursuit of God. We've let laziness drift inside of us instead of diligence. And we must realize that the kingdom of God has a truth, and that truth is not always convenient. That truth is not always popular. Popular culture will not agree with that truth. But I'm telling you, it's the truth that God has called us to stand for. I'm just... I'm just just, I feel like I'm just getting started right now in Matthew 16 Jesus told Peter he said I'm gonna build my church upon you upon this rock and then he made the statement he said and the gates of hell will not prevail or be able to stand against it here's what Jesus said we're not waiting for hell to come to us we're going to hell and we're taking the keys from the kingdom of hell listen to me What that means is that the church was never meant to be defensive. The church was always meant to go on the offensive, everybody. We were meant to take ground. And I'm afraid that as Christians, we've stopped taking ground, everybody. We've grown quiet. We've grown amicable. We'll just politely you know, stand back and just wait for things to pass or hopefully this is just a thing or just a season that our country's going through. We've grown comfortable, we've become content and the church has been asleep at the wheel. And over these last three years, come on, let's just be real honest, a lot of people in God's church have allowed some things to die in their hearts. Some things that we've gotta get right, some things that have to change. In fact, I'll just pose the question, To all of you today, just this simple question, what has been allowed to die in your spiritual life? What what has been laying dormant? What, What ground have you not been plowing that God wants to do something through? And so the revival, when we talk about revival, revival is needed to bring the church of Jesus Christ or the parts of you that are sitting dormant or unplowed back to life again. And there's so many believers, everybody, in this season right now that are apathetic and dry and dead, and their relationship with God is apathetic and dry and dead. And you know what? There's many churches like this. I'll talk about this more in a minute. So revival brings us back to life. And when there's life, there's transformation. And when there's life, there's the breath of God. And when there's life, there's deliverance. And when there's life, change begins to take place. Now, I want to say something that I think is important, and and that is that there's a difference between an outpouring of the Spirit and revival. There's a difference. Some would say that what happened in Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, was a revival. And I would at least, I think on some level... uh, I would challenge that a little bit. I think what happens in Acts 2 is that there was an outpouring, but it wasn't a revival. An outpouring comes externally and does a new thing. So in Acts 2, the Spirit was poured out and God did a new thing. But a revival revives something that has been before. And a revival always starts from within. It starts from the heart. The heart is the place that the spirit dwells. So if your heart is right, then the presence of God flows out of your life. But if your heart is broken, if your heart is cold, if your heart is offended, God's anointing will not bypass the condition of your heart. But if you'll let God change your heart, Come on, then he can change your family. And if he can change your family, he can change a city. And if he can change a city, he can change a nation. Come on, somebody. We need revival again. And so when the church began, the church didn't begin with revival. The church began with an outpouring. Now, I do think that revivals can lead to outpourings and outpourings can lead to revivals. But a revival starts internally. It's it's saying, God, I, I want more. I want life. I want an awakening of your spirit. Every married person here knows, understands that your relationship with your spouse, if you're not careful, that relationship can become mundane, maybe even a little boring. We're going through the motions. You have to think back. There was a time, all you married people, where you guys just couldn't get enough of each other. many people know what I'm talking about? Like it was, you know, y'all were together all the time and it was sickening and nauseating, you know, and You'd be on the phone. anybody remember these days? Be on the phone. You'd say, "You hang up." No, you hang up. You hang up. Okay, here's what I'll do. You just fall asleep, and I'll just stay on the phone until you fall asleep, and we'll both fall asleep on the phone together. I'm gonna tell you in the Dino, Ain't nobody waiting for anybody to fall asleep now. You don't touch me when I want. I gotta sleep. <laughs> some of you are giving a little elbow right now. He's right. <laughs> Don't bother me tonight. <laughs> so if you're smart, you recognize that we got to take time to go on a trip or go do something and reconnect. So we, we want new life. We want to get back. We, we got some things we need to, to get right again. You, And anytime you do that, you're being very attentional. You're saying, we we just got to change some things. We see some things falling. We got to make some things better. And so in our lives, like with me and Kendra, anytime we experience a revival of of our marriage, we revive some things, we shake it up, we get back to that first love feeling, every time that that happens, there's always two parts of our relationship that come alive again in my heart. There's the person of Kendra and the presence of Kendra the person of kendra is just she's just who i love because of who she is it's her personality it's her spirit it's her humor it's her features i all over again i fall in love with the person of kendra but it's not just the person of kendra that i love it's the presence of kendra Come on, it's being around her and making memories with her and experiencing intimate things and doing things with her. And I believe the same thing happens when you have a revival of the heart and the soul. You experience a love for God, but you also experience the presence of God. You, you fall in love with the person of God and the presence of God. And I believe that's what we need to be after right now. How many people know, in my life right now, I need a Holy Spirit encounter. I need to re-fall in love with the presence of Jesus and the person of Jesus all over. Again. Come on, if that's you today, just clap your hands right now in this room. And let's just thank God that he's already come first.
1: No.
0: But just like in a marriage, every revival starts with intentionality. So you have to create a time and a space and a place and be proactive. I think a lot of people think that revival starts with a feeling, We're just waiting for God to just drop something on us. Okay, Lord, I want a revival. I'm alive again. It doesn't work that way. It's not it at all. This week I studied one of uh, the most famous revivals in history. It's the Welsh Revival, uh, 1904. uh, The largest revival in Wales in the 20th century. Many people here today could actually trace back their spiritual heritage to the the Welsh Revival. It led to the Azusa Street Revival. Uh, Many people have spiritual heritage like family members who were saved out of one of those revivals. This revival started with a man named Joseph Jenkins. Joseph Jenkins was a pastor. One night he felt this urge that he needed more out of his relationship in the spirit of God in his own life. So he began to to pray late into the night, two, three, four o'clock in the morning. He would get on his knees and he would lay on the ground in, in, a, in his room, and he was desperate for a deeper encounter with God. He, one of the things he prayed, he said, God, you've got to help me to have more conviction that when I preach, that there's a conviction of the Holy Spirit. When I preach, there's power from the Holy Spirit. I feel like I'm preaching and it's dead preaching. I feel like everything I'm saying is dead right now. And so he began to pray and ask God, and all week long he was seeking after the face of God, wrestling with God, became very aware of, a, of, of the lack of depth, even in his own spirit. So the next Sunday, he preached a message, and while he was preaching, there was a 19-year-old girl there named Flory Evans. She was in attendance. And as, as the pastor began to speak, as, as Pastor Jenkins began to talk, Flory became greatly convicted in her heart about the need of Jesus in her life. In that time, she, she wasn't saved. She didn't have a relationship with God. She had come with some family, but she by no means was a Christian. She was so overwhelmed and so convicted, she went home that night and she couldn't get away from this feeling that God was calling her. And so Joseph Jenkins is sitting at his dinner table eating, and and, and he hears a knock on the door, and he opens the door, and Flory Evans is standing there. And she looks up at him, and and he looks at her, and she says, For 30 minutes, I've been walking around your house for half an hour now and contemplating what I would do. I, I, I didn't get to talk to you today but I can no longer live without Jesus. So he invited her into his home. There he began to pray for her. She, he told her about his own conviction, about what he'd experienced in, in his own private prayer time. She went home that night, had a radical moment with God in her own house where God spoke to her, and, and, and she was uh, filled with the spirit, and, and she decided to become a Christian in that moment. The following Sunday, as they, as they got there the following Sunday, They had church service as usual Sunday night. After the church service, a group of young people wanted to gather and talk. And Pastor Jenkins is speaking and he's talking. And he's talking about like this deep conviction about how God wants to move. And these 60 young people are there in this room. And and all of a sudden, Flory is there. And as he's talking, Flory stands up. And she begins under the power of the Spirit to declare how much she has decided that she loves God and wants to stand for Him. Tears are streaming down her eyes. And as she speaks, a room full of 60 young adults starts with a quiet sob, begins to cry. And the Holy Spirit falls on this room with 60 young adults. And they begin to cry out under the conviction of God for a deep move of His Spirit. They became ablaze and full of God. Joseph Jenkins begins to take these 60 young teenagers with him around the different chapels that he speaks and that he preaches at. And as he preaches, they begin to sing and and they would pray and they would stand up and declare God's faithfulness. And it would create a stir in these chapels and revival starts to break out. And all of these chapels As it begins to take place, over 100,000 people in Wales experience revival and make Jesus their Lord and Savior because of what happened. And as I begin to read the story and think about this, two things stuck out to me. Number one, that it started with the hunger of Joseph Jenkins, sitting in his house under the conviction that, God, there's a greater thing that you want to do in my life. And there's more that I need from you. And and my preaching is stale and it's not enough. And so he laid on the ground and he said, God, if you can do a work in my life, I'm asking you to move. And the second thing that stands out so powerfully to me is that it didn't happen in a service. It happened after a service where people said, we don't want church as usual. There's more that God wants to do. It was 60 young people that something got in their heart that said, we want service after the service. We want to meet with God. We want to pray. And God met them there and began to do a work in their heart. You must understand that for a revival to occur, you have to long for it. You have to realize that God's presence is critical. I asked the Lord this week, I said, Lord, Tell me, like, what are the things that we need to be brought back to right now in this season? Help me understand, like, what will a revival bring us back to? And the Lord just put a few things, and by the way, this is not an exhaustive list. Like, one of the things that's not in this is is a realization of the need of the Word of God, which is probably number, point, number one prayer. Like, point number two, they're they're the crux of the matter, but... There were just a few things that I felt like the Lord put on my heart that I want to share with you for the next couple of minutes. That what revival brings us back to, number one, is the manifest presence of God. We need the manifest presence of God. Listen to me. Too many people are settling today for an intellectual and mental relationship with Jesus. And listen, I understand maybe you were raised in a church that was just purely based on emotion. Or maybe you are a cognitive person or you feel very stoic, or you tend to relate primarily in your mind, I want you to know that God wants to awaken you to his manifest presence in your life again. In fact, I think it was A.W. Tozer, yes, that said this, that the whole transaction of religious conversion has been made mechanical and spiritless the man is saved but he is not hungry or thirsty after god in fact he is specifically taught to be satisfied and is encouraged to be content with little when i read that this week it convicted me so much because when jesus died for you he didn't just die for your sin the bible tells us that that when he died that veil was torn Why? It wasn't just for sin. It was so that you could be reunited into the very presence of God again. We can't underestimate, undersell the presence of God. This next year in April, I'll turn 40. And in that time, I've gotten to do some amazing things over the course of my short life. I've been able to travel to beautiful places. seen homes that are beyond compare I've had the privilege of preaching on six continents I've I've ministered to thousands of people and and honestly millions by television but I would trade it all to just be in the manifest presence of God I just there's nothing like the manifest presence of Jesus so what does that mean? It's, it's, you sense his nearness. You ever been in a place where you walked into that place and you knelt or you were, and you had an experience with God and there was no doubt in your mind that the presence of God is with me right here. To hear his voice speak to me. To experience the spirit's touch I'm here to tell you today that we chase after so many things that are trivial and meaningless. Things like esteem and success and money and fame. But I told my girls the other day, I said, Girls, I want to teach you a lot of things over the course of your life. But if I don't teach you, and if you don't understand how much you need to value God's presence, I've failed you. As a dad. Because I'm telling you, there's a difference. Some seek God for what he can do. But when you experience revival, you don't seek God for what he can do. You seek God for who he is, everybody. This verse in Psalm 84 says, I long. And then I love this. Yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord with my whole being, I love this, every part of me, my spirit, my soul, every part of me, my mind, I will shout joyfully to the living God. This is the goal, everybody. I'm hungry for your presence. I'm, I'm desperate for more of you. I just want you. Then he goes on, blessed. The scripture says in parentheses, happy, fortunate, to be envied are those who dwell in your house and in your presence. They will be singing your praises all day long. One of my favorite tensions or moments in the Old Testament is when God is so fed up with the children of Israel, but he's made them an unconditional covet about bringing them into the land. And so he tells Moses, he says, I'm going to send you into the promised land. You're going to get the land, the milk and the honey and everything like it's a a gift. I'm giving it to you, but honestly, I'm just not going with you. I'm just not going. And and they're they're in the wilderness at this moment. They're in the desert. They're in the place of hardship. They're in a place void of pleasure. There's no comfort. There's no abundance. And look at what Moses said. It's one of my favorite verses in scripture. He says, if your presence does not go with us, don't bring us up from here. It set Moses apart from everyone else. They sought God for what God would do for them. They sought God for where he would bring them. But Moses sought God for who he was. I want to ask you this question today. Are you here today because you want God to bless your agenda? Are you here today because there's something in your life you want God to do? God bless this and God do this and God change this? Or can you come back to the place where you say, God, even if you don't give me what I want, I want you And I'll just be honest right now. I shudder to imagine how many churches are meeting right now with no presence. Nice people, but they're for them. Good inspiring word, but no presence. Good singing, but no presence. Jesus said it this way. He said, You've made it into a house of men, but it will not be a house of God. And it can start so subtly, where you start out with deep affection for Jesus, but as time goes on, in little ways, it becomes about you. In fact, I love continuing what A.W. Tozer said. He said, God's will wills that we should push into his presence. We should push into his presence and live our whole life there. There, This is to be known to us in conscience experience. It's more than a doctrine to be held. It is a life to be enjoyed every moment of every day. I think the question is just simply this. What do we want, Heartland? What kind of church do we want to be known as? If we're a big church and we've got all the things and all the stuff... And we're just here and we're not really hungry and we're going through the motions. Look, you can can do it all. Count me out. I want the presence of God in my midst. God, revive us again to your presence. The second thing is the Holy Spirit's gifts and power. I'm just gonna tell you, so many people don't, so many churches, they say they want it, they don't want the Holy Spirit. In fact, I remember a church expert Church growth expert told me, one point: you can grow. The only way to grow your church is you just can't do it. You can't have church longer than an hour. You don't grow your church. Can't grow. You can't have church longer than an hour. People are done after an hour. They're not going to come back. I'm going to tell you. I think that offends the Holy Spirit. What if I told my wife? You know, I really want to spend time with you, but after an hour, I am out. I'm just done. You want the sad truth? We want the Holy Spirit's gifts, and we want his power. But only if it fits in our timeline and the way we want it to look. We've built great buildings, and we have good worship. We have great coffee, but the Holy Spirit's not in the building. In fact, let me just say it this way. We've become, and we've chased after becoming civilized instead of becoming spiritualized. But the Bible even talks about, you gotta be careful. I can't even believe that it's in the Bible here in just a moment, this, this verse in 2 Thessalonians 5, it says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Can you believe that's even in the Bible? Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. You wanna know why? It's because the temptation will be for you to stifle the spirit. But here's the good news. If I go back, James 4, 8 says this, come close to God, and God will come close to you. A lot of times we love quoting that part of the scripture, but look at the very next part. What does it say? It says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, because your loyalty is divided between church on Sunday and football right after it's over. And you can't decide if you want more of God or for Dak Prescott to finally give you a winning season. (laughs) But I love what this verse says to us. It says, look, if you're hungry for God, so for yourselves. Like, if you want me, come close. I'm going to come close to you if you want to come close to me. Let me tell you something. we got work to do. we got to purify our hearts. Because we can't ever get to this place, everybody, where we stifle the Spirit. The reason the Bible says it is because if you're not careful, you'll do it. It's crazy that those words are even in Scripture, but they're there. So we got to be careful, everybody. you hearing me today? You want to extinguish the Spirit? Stifle prophecy. Suppress worship. Put God on a clock make it all about the structures and the buildings and the atmosphere refuse spiritual gifts and make something else your source you'll find it real fast the third thing we got to have is a hunger for righteousness why righteousness i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go academic for just a second on this okay what righteousness is is its behavior that is morally justifiable or right that is righteousness Now, the bad news is that the standard of righteousness in the Bible is God's own perfection. And you can't attain that. The good news is that righteousness is possible, but only through the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. So, you possess righteousness only because God has made him who is without sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God. I think that's 2 Corinthians 5. So you are made righteous in God's sight and accepted because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Come on, thank God for that. Amen, everybody? But at the same time, there are verses. I think, do I have this one? Let me see here. Yeah, like this one in Proverbs 15, which says, The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue righteousness. So there's this indication on some level that that we're supposed to be the ones pursuing it. Does this make sense? And so it's confusing because Romans 3 says no one is righteous except God, and yet there are verses that say we're supposed to pursue righteousness, and people are like, well, which is it? Am I only righteous because of God, or am I to pursue righteousness? And the answer is both. The answer is we can't, we, we can't realize it or do it on our own and so we turn to God and we seek his mercy and he begins to transform us and he begins to do a work in us and when he transforms us, the Holy Spirit empowers us now to live a righteous life, to walk by the Spirit, which is a lifestyle totally surrendered to God. But here's the problem today with people in churches is we try to claim the righteousness of God while attempting to justify everything else in our lives. This week I was reminded of a scripture that is so convicting. Pastor Dan told you, this is hard, it's challenging, but the, I'm telling you, it's the prophetic in me right now. So powerful and instructional, this verse. Look at this Ephesians 5 it says, But among you, he's talking to the church, there must not be <laughs> even a hint is what the Bible says, of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Can I tell you something? At what point did suddenly things start to become acceptable for us that didn't used to be acceptable? Like, the mark of righteousness in your life is that you are chasing after a Holy Spirit-led, convicted, righteous life Now, let me make sure you realize something. We're not talking about legalism. Legalism says God won't love you unless you do it exactly right. We're not legalism. We're after revival. Revival says, Lord, bring me back to a place that what breaks your heart breaks my heart too. God, create a desire in me to love the things that you love. And to despise the things that you despise. Lord, lead me to repentance. Lead me to conviction. Revive those things inside of me again. Is this okay today? Here's the fourth one. I'm going to move quick through these last two. The fourth is an expectation for God to move in our lives. That's what a revival. It's an expectation. You can always, you can always tell an environment where people are hungry... And in need for God to move. And I'm going to tell you something about American churches today. And I realize this is going to sound a little judgmental. But I'm telling you, in our American churches today, we have been conditioned to expect nothing. It has become normalized to expect nothing. to To not expect the presence of God. To not grow spiritually. To be able to come into church and not leave changed. In other words, it's normal to kind of be dead. And I'm going to tell you, whenever everything's dead, that's just the culture you get used to. And so when you expect nothing, you roll into church late because it doesn't really matter. And when you expect nothing, you, you don't do anything in worship because you expect nothing. And when you're dead in your spirit, you don't give, you don't read the Bible, you don't have any life-giving relationships, you don't need to get in a group, you don't need to serve, you're not going to experience any change. There's no supernatural did you know that how you, how you respond to worship shows if your heart is alive because when your heart is dead, worship becomes boring to you? But when you have an expectation, God, I'm here today in worship because I don't, I don't just need to hear. I want to hear from you. I want you to make me more aware of your presence. I'm just trying to get a vision in your heart today. Is there anybody here that wants to leave changed every single week that you come into God's presence and you gather with God's people? Lord, I want to leave changed. I want to leave more filled with your presence. I want 1 Samuel 10... That this is what the prophet said to Samuel or to Saul. He said, "As you approach the town, you'll meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with the lyres and the timbrels and the pipes and the harps being played before them, and they'll be prophesying." Then he says, "This: the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different." person. Oh, that's my prayer for us, church. God, change me into a different person. God, change me from the inside out. Lord, take me from a place where my marriage was dead to a place where now my wife looks at me and says, I don't know who you used to be. I remember what you were, but you're not the same person anymore. There's a new you. God has done something crazy in my husband. Somebody in that church stole him and put a new him in here that is a clone, but looks like him, but it doesn't sound like him anymore. He's leading the Family and devotionals. He's praying with our kids. He's leading the way relationally. I can't believe it. God has done a work in his life. Yeah. And I'm just here to tell you today, we can't lose that spirit. But instead, what we've done in our churches is instead of presence, we've chased schedules. Instead of the Holy Spirit, we've asked for civility. It's like we've become embarrassed of the Spirit's gifts. Many people have rejected the Holy Spirit. We've compromised the truth of God's Word. We've settled for our own truth in the name of, I just don't want to offend anybody. But I need you to tell you that if the truth of God's Word has a side, then we have to decide what side of that we're on. And I read you the scripture in Matthew 24 last week. It says, and then, and this is telling about the future of what's going to happen in the church, everybody. says that many are going to fall away. And many will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold is what the Bible says. But the one who endures to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the Bible says, and then the end will come. And this is the background for the Apostle Paul's teaching in 2 Thessalonians 2, when he teaches about a rebellion that's gonna take place before Christ returns. In fact, let me just show it to you in 2 Thessalonians. It says, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, We ask you, brothers, don't be shaken in mind or alarm. Don't be shaken about what's going on in the world right now by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. And then notice this. Let nobody deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. You can study this on your own if you want to, but the word that Paul uses in the Greek for the word rebellion is the word apostasia. What that word means is apostasy, Or betrayal. Apostasy is not a word that many churches teach on today. But here's what Paul's saying. He said that in the last days, there will be a significant falling away from Christ. Where the visible members of the church who claim to be filled with the Spirit of God will not be. And in in both of these verses, it says that it will trigger the second coming. And what these verses indicate is that there's going to be deception and false prophets and people who want to stand on stages and tickle your ears. And it sounds godly, but it's not. In fact, I got so convicted, 1 Timothy 4, this week. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons, is what the Bible says. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. I'm going to tell you something. This is happening before our very eyes. I've asked God, give me supernatural boldness and courage right now. Because I'm going to tell you something. Satan is smart. He knows he's not just get you to just denounce Christ. So what will he do? He'll sneak in. And try to distort God's word. In fact, the next very scripture teaches, they will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. But God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. And then he makes this statement. He says, for we know it is acceptable by the word of God and by prayer. Now here's the context of what he was saying. People were saying, marriage, uh, you you shouldn't pursue it. And it's sin to eat certain foods. In other words, they began to take things from Scripture and distort them and twist them and manipulate them and distort what God had said to make it into something that God didn't say but sounded like something God would say. You know, the very first time this happens is in Genesis 3. The serpent comes to Eve and says to her, did God say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, that's not what God said at all. God said nothing about eating from any tree in the garden. He just said, don't eat from one tree. But what does Satan do? takes God's words and distorts them into something that they are not. And I'm going to tell you something right now. We're living in an age where if you want to, you can distort the word of God into making it seem like anything is okay. The problem is it's not biblical. All roads lead to God. Sorry, not in the Bible. If God's so loving, he'd never allow people to go to hell. Sorry, not in the Bible. The Bible's really antiquated and old. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's all sorts. I'm just not even going to wait into it. I got like ten weeks this fall. That's why this last one is so important because here's what revival does: it brings us to a need for repentance. In fact, I want to read you a verse in Revelation 24. This is written to one of the churches. Says this says, but I have this complaint against you: you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen turn back to me and do the works you did at first if you don't repent I'll come and remove your lampstand this word lampstand is the word in revelation that's used for the word Holy Spirit I'm going to remove the Holy Spirit from its place amongst churches let me tell you something I believe that same spirit when God spoke to that church today I believe he's going to speak to churches today say look if you don't want to love me like you first loved me if you don't want to pursue me and chase after me You'll have church, and you'll have worship, you'll have coffee, you'll have friends, you'll have greetings, and and, there will be lots of good events, but my spirit will not be in it. And that's why I say today, God, forgive us. just stand with me all over the room right now. Forgive us forgive us for the moments that we have been casually committed forgive us of a loveless relationship forgive us for the moments where we've held on to bad teaching forgive us God for the moments where we've chased it after Chased after immorality. God, we repent for surface Christianity, for lukewarm faith, for tolerating evil and calling it good. And I just want to do something right now. That if you're hungry for God, I'm just calling us back to it. That if you're hungry for His presence and you need His Spirit in your life right now, and I believe it's going to take a, it's going to take a step. It's going to take like a not church's usual kind of motion for you. And if that's you today, I just this is what I feel like doing right now I want you just to come to get out of your seat I want you to come join me at this altar for a moment let's not rush out of this place right now we're kind of near the end and so if you need to be dismissed I have so much respect for that and understand like totally but I'm calling right now our church back Lord I need your presence more than anything else Just press in and make room right now. Come on, let's just ask the Holy Spirit's power and presence. Oh, Jesus, I need you to awaken my heart again to the things that move your heart. And I want you to begin to pray right now. Come on, this is a time of just repentance is what it is. I feel like the Holy Spirit's calling us back. Not because he doesn't love us. He already loves us but because we want his heart. God, I want your heart. I want the things that break your heart to break my heart, oh God. Come on, just make room today. Make room all over the room. I'm telling you, they're coming like this. Just press in today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we need your presence, God. I think he's saying to somebody today, will you not just make a little bit of room just to pursue me, just to chase after my heart? Some of you just might maybe need to get in a position of kneeling right now. You know, that's a scriptural position for you to get in, like like just a a posture to say, God, I just, I want to repent today. I want to get as low as I can get to let you know, Jesus, that I want your heart I'm sorry for the moments that I've gone through, the motions, Jesus. Come on, just begin to open up your mouth right now, and I want you to talk to Him in this moment. Like, put an action on it. Don't just sit in His presence. Talk to Him right now. God, I. You say, I don't know what to say. Come on, this is the beginning of just this moment with you. It's like you truth telling God. Say, God, I'm coming back. Coming back to a heart of pursuit after you today, Jesus.
1: that you're enough so take me back to where we started Lord I open up my heart to you I'm calling
0: want to lead us through a prayer right now like i just feel like the presence of god is saying let's just corporately just come into a place of repentance right now okay and just being respectful like we're just flowing right now but father on behalf of our church right now today we're just we're coming into a place of repentance for every moment that we as a church have done anything that has not satisfied your heart. God, on behalf of your people, Lord, today we want to declare that we want to be righteous before you. We want our hearts to be made righteous. Will you make us more righteous, Holy Spirit? Lord, would you help us today to come back to a place where everything that grieves your heart grieves our heart. And we're asking that you would speak to us in these times and in this hour. Lord, would you put such a passion on the inside of us? Make something so alive in us right now that that we're awakened to the power and the presence that you have. Lord, I'm praying right now in this church even for a supernatural boldness and a supernatural coldness or, or, or courageousness to sweep over these people, Lord God. The people that have been cold, Lord Jesus, the people that have been lukewarm right now, God, we just declare over their lives are refreshing. In fact, if that's you in this moment, I just want you to lift your hand. I ask right now, Father, that the refreshing power of the Holy Spirit is poured out on your life. I just want you to receive right now the blessing that he has for you. Come on, he's, he's coming today and he's gonna baptize you with the freshness of his spirit. Father, I thank you right now for the refreshing power of your spirit that's sweeping over this place. I thank you right now that in the days and in the weeks ahead, that they're gonna experience a supernatural breakthrough. Oh Lord, we just declared in this room right now, We thank you in advance. We see it coming to pass right now. I thank you for more people that are coming. And not just to come into church, but a life change, a realignment, their lives taking a new shape. God, I pray right now for new power. To come over them for blessing to flow to them but lord we don't want your blessing if we don't have your presence and so lord we want your presence more than anything else we declare that thing we speak it right now in jesus name do a work do a new thing lord god in jesus name hallelujah lord we thank you right now lord jesus do a new work in our hearts I just feel like for somebody in this room, he's gonna move you from elementary into maturity. He's moving you into a new place, like like he's got a new assignment. He's got a new seat for you to sit in. And you've been saying, Lord, I'm nervous because I don't know if I can be used in this way. I don't know if I have the qualifications. I don't know if I've necessarily got all the things figured out that I'm supposed to have done. And God's saying, who I have called, I have chosen, and I will use. And you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to have been a Christian for a certain amount of time. Like, I am gonna use you in this nation. I am gonna use you in your workplace. I'm gonna use you in your family and we just declare it and we speak it today in Jesus name hallelujah God we're asking that you send revival to us right now send revival to our church send the revival Lord Jesus to the people that are here send revival Lord God let a spirit of worship be awakened in our hearts God in Jesus name hallelujah Lord thank you for it God Come on lift your hands and just sing this out to Him today. It's
1: hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Open the heavens.